live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City. This is Heart of the Matter, where we try and help people walk toward his love. That's the love of God through Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Let's have a quick prayer. Uh, Father, we love you and seek you and are grateful for life and uh, the provisions you give. Bless uh, those who are helping with the program to get it out there and um, and help our guest tonight We and, and bless him to be able to explain and articulate the things that are so important to our topic. And uh, so we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We sat for three hours with Denver Snuffer last week. We aired those three hours, Thursday night, Saturday night, and then last night was part three. There was a lot said uh, by Denver, and apparently from some of the reports I got, there was quite a bit that wasn't said. Uh, I want to start right off the bat uh, to admit that I like Denver as a human being, as a man. I think he was affable and, and friendly and courteous. And uh, also, it goes without saying that he's knowledgeable. I mean, very well read. He's written 22 volumes. He's a writer. He's an appellate uh, uh, attorney and trial attorney. So he's very smart, loquacious. He can talk. He can talk the paint off a barn. And I teased him about that. So, uh, but we don't know truth because people are nice. We don't know truth because people are knowledgeable, really. Uh, when we're talking about spiritual truth. We know that from another source. We know that from God, by His Spirit. And so the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, long-suffering, all those things. And and Denver appeared to present those. Uh, we had a number of comments coming back, and we those comments are all listed under the shows. So you can go watch part one, two, or three, and you can see where there's people who were anti-Denver, you can see where there's people who are supremely pro-Denver, and you can see people who wondered what was going on. Uh, many people liked it. They enjoyed the content, and uh, they appreciated it. Uh, people wanted to hear more. People said they uh, were going to tune in to the other parts. Thus far, there's been about 6,000 views on the three parts that we've uh, aired, and uh, I'm not going to read those comments tonight um, simply because we're going to get to something else in response to the Denver interviews. And uh, I'll talk about that now. There were some really important points that were made and asked in the face of these interviews with Denver. Besides liking or disliking him, what did you think? What was your assessment of him as a person and as a Christian and then as perhaps a prophet? and someone who is, uh, has claimed that he has seen angels and the Lord Jesus Christ in visions and things like that. Uh, is Denver to be trusted as an oracle of God? And what is it that makes you trust him? What is it that makes us trust anybody? What's the difference, if any, between Denver Snuffer and some of the other guests we've had on the show? We had uh, Chris Namelka, Christopher Namelka, and uh, he, he claims to have restored the the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, and people followed him. We had a guy who was from South Utah who uh, saw Jesus in the mountains. And, uh, and of course, what's the difference between uh, Denver and Joseph Smith or David Koresh or Russell M. Nielsen or myself? What's the difference between Duffer and a pastor who claims that he is up there teaching the Word of God by the Spirit and his interpretations of the Spirit is right? That is the reason that we got together with Denver, is to hear him talk. And uh, should he be seen as a prophet today? Should he be seen, because this is what wasn't completely, he said he was a prophet, but he said everybody should be a prophet. I asked him if he was the prophet of this dispensation. I don't remember the answer, but I don't remember getting one clearly. I don't know if he said, yes, I am. I don't think he did. Uh, was Denver open and transparent? And what are we to say about someone who isn't transparent with their beliefs? Are they uh, covering their tracks uh, because they don't want to be exposed? Or are they following Jesus' advice and they're not casting their pearls before swine? You have to take all that into account when you're looking at somebody who has the claims and the, and the following that Denver does. Uh, we had him on Heart of the Matter so we could hear his views. Some of the comments were disparaging toward me because I didn't attack him 
on supporting the Book of Mormon or Joseph Smith. I want you to notice, I asked Denver all the questions and Denver gave me all the answers. Denver, I don't think, asked me a single question about my own views. Uh, he either didn't care or he wasn't interested. But it wasn't, if Denver had said, well, Sean, what do you think of the Book of Mormon? It would have been an opportunity for me to say, oh, well, let me tell you. But that wasn't what the purpose was. And if you become combative with guests, I've learned this the hard way, they clam up and they do go turtle on you, pull back into the shell, and they hide. I thought Denver became more and more open as we went along, and he discussed uh, things that maybe he wouldn't have had I been a little bit more aggressive. Um, I'm personally convinced, before we go to our guest, that seekers will find the truth, no matter who they get involved with along the way. If Denver is true and what he proposes is true, then seekers will discover that and they'll remain with him. Non-seekers or people who want to believe what they want to believe because they want to believe it, we know very well people can believe anything on earth or not on earth and justify it because that's what they want. So those who want uh, a, a prophet of a dispensation to give them rules and new revelation and guide them, they're going to find that in, in a person like Denver. And those people who want the truth may find that Denver's telling the truth, or they may not. But those who seek the truth, I believe in this life, do find it. That brings us to our next guest. And I think he is a, come on up, Taya. I think he's a really great guest to follow. This is kind of unexpected, but to follow uh, Denver. And, and there's a reason for that. Um, have a seat, my brother. Good to see you. Uh, Taya and I are friends, and uh, he's come to campus a couple times, and we've talked at Del Taco, and I've learned a little bit about him. But the reason that he's an important guest is um, where Denver, we're talking about polarized extremes. Denver is a studied educated uh, attorney, 22 volumes of writing. He loves to talk and he can articulate his stuff. And uh, with my brother here, we have a different scenario, but a similar experience in his life. And we're gonna let him tell it. His name is Taya uh, Tupo, and uh, he is Tongan, he'll say half Tongan. And uh, in light of the things that Denver said, I want you to listen very closely to what my brother has to say. And we're gonna start off like we always do, learning just for a few minutes about your life. Starting off, Florida. Florida. Mom and dad, life, all the stuff that led up to your person before you came to know anything about God or Jesus or religion. So I was born in Florida to a mother who's from New Jersey. She's American and my father's from Tonga. Um, and they, I'd say probably around four years old, they split. Um, my mother began to raise us. And we didn't grow up with any, any sort of particular religion or anything like that. About, you know, my mother only got about religion, like when she'd ask us to pray that she hit the lotto. That kind of thing. That's about as religious as we got awesome. in our house. Just say your prayers. I hit the lotto. We did. She didn't. That uh, <laughs> didn't hurt my faith, though. Um, did you have faith? Hey, you know, it was weird. I, I, I didn't really, I didn't have any concept of it just yet. Um, then I began going to a church early. I think maybe about, I was eight years old, and I went to a Westland church. Mm. And I'd say that's probably the first time I felt the spirit, so to speak. Um, a lot like when I uh, began going to the church, uh, the Mormon church as a youth, I just, you know, it felt good. So I, I just, um, it, it was something very significant for me. But yeah, I didn't, we didn't have any sort of uh, religious upbringing, even though my dad is Mormon, he was always an inactive Mormon. Mm. Um, and my mom never really stuck around long enough. They weren't together long enough for that to rub off on her. Mm -hmm. And his example to her really wasn't that great either. They had a, it was, it was a tough marriage. Mm. Hence the reason why they split when I was four. And um, 
You have to pardon me. I'm nervous, so if, all right. if you see me trailing yeah. off, please keep. So me. we were talking earlier that you were raised in the area that were uh, there was kind of a redneck segment and there was a black segment, and you gravitated uh, because you're a little darker more to the black segment, and that, those were your friends. <clears throat> yeah. So I, you know, Florida Florida's not known as being southern, at least not these days. Um, a lot of tourists came in, but when I was young, it was there's still remnants of it. Um, it's funny. We we grew up similar to how people grow up with the church where how everything kind of centers around that we grew up in the bar culture everything mm -hmm. was kind of centered around the bar my my mom's friends my my friends my childhood friends and they were always looking at me very different um there was like a bar on this side of the street where i could go where we could sort of fellowship i know it sounds mm -hmm. crazy but mm -hmm. and then there was a bar across the street that said no only whites only whites only wow. and my mother could never take me in there of course and so I felt that throughout my whole life, I've been called the N-word a lot and, you know, every kind of racial slur you can imagine. So for me, I, I just, um, I, I gravitated more towards the black community and they accepted me as being half black, half white. And so that's how I grew up. I didn't know what a Tongan was until I was 14. <laughs> and then I finally went out west or to Reno to meet my, my dad's brother for the first time and they were Mormon, very, very, you know, stout, uh, what do you even call it? Strict? Yeah, strict Mormons. Mm -hmm. And that was my, my first introduction to it, though when I went to church, they spoke only Tongan and I didn't understand a word of it. Mm. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a very, it was a tough period, but I got into a lot of crime when I was a young kid. I was very angry, very scared and confused. We were poor, and so I thought the answer to all our problems was money. And I started looking for it any way I could get it. I began breaking into homes and establishments like when I was 10. Um, I began committing my first armed robbery at 14. Wow. Uh, you know, when Joseph Smith was supposedly in the, the garden or yeah. whatever, wherever he was. Yeah. I was committing the grove. My first, the grove. I was committing my first armed robbery at 14. And then that, of course, led on to, uh, to drive-bys. Sorry, it's a little... A little tough for me to talk about it, but uh, I got into a, a lot of violence with that. And mm. he, I eventually met a girl and she brought me to the Mormon church in Florida. And um, I thought, oh, hey, I'll give this a shot. Turns out she was my cousin. So that didn't go very far <laughs> in terms of relationship. It's like, it's, you know, the Southern thing is it's, it's not there. But uh, um, I started to learn more about the church then, but I still really wasn't into it. Mm. Um, I was kind of just in and out of it. And then I had, at some point, I think I, I wanted to go full in, and then I, I was sitting in, in a class one day, and they talked about blacks and the priesthood. I had never heard that, and immediately, as soon as they told me that, I was like, oh, this is, this is a crock, you know. And so I was just kind of going for the social aspect of it. Um, and then the, I met with the missionaries. The missionaries began teaching me, you know, telling me, you know, all the stuff about Joseph Smith, and I didn't really care, to be honest. I was just kind of socializing with them is how I looked at it. And then um, came time for me to get baptized. Fortunately, the night before that, um, I was called on to go do a drive-by shooting. Mm. And uh, normally, sorry, <laughs> um, whenever, amongst my friends, anytime something like that was gonna go down, I was the guy they would call. And so we were, and I was 16 at the time. Um, and so we were driving to the place to, to do the deed and, um, bunch of police pulled up I don't know how I don't know somebody must have called them but we were we had about six cars deep full of kids you know we just we looked reckless and so we stuck out like a sore thumb the police pulled up got pulled everybody out of the car began searching us they found found my gun it was a 45 that I had just finished polishing off and finished removing all the fingerprints from the bullets I was like I thought I was being smart and I just slid it under the front seat and I thought oh they're never gonna find it they found it right away and of course, the two drivers, they said, oh, it's, it's his. So I was, I was 16, they were both 18. They wow. didn't want to take the rap. So um, I went to prison, I mean, I'm sorry. I went to jail that night, juvenile detention. Um, the morning time came for me to go to the, the hearing or the arraignment, whatever they call it. And um, I just told the judge, uh, I'm getting baptized. And not that I cared about it before, but I was seeing if that would do anything. <laughs> and so she, she said, okay, we're gonna let you out. Now, anytime you go to jail, especially with a gun, especially anytime it's going to be used in the commission of a felony, they keep you for 21 days. Mm. No 
questions asked. And mm -hmm. so the lady who was going against me was pissed. Mm -hmm. She's like, Your Honor, this kid is out doing all these, you know, crazy things, and now he's finally got a gun. So we're going to really let him out? She said, Yeah. I was like, Whew, all right, you know, wow. thank you know. So I, I went right from jail to home, got dressed, went right to the, the chapel. The missionary said, hey, you got to come here and talk to the, uh, what is it, the mission, mission president. So I began talking to him. He said, hey, what the heck happened? I, I broke it down. I said, oh, it was just, you know, a misunderstanding. It wasn't my gun. You know, I didn't go into what was really going on. So uh, he just said, yeah, you ever going to do that again? I said, no, not at all. And then, of course, I was, I was lying to him. Mm. He let me go ahead and get baptized. I, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the baptism or whatever they call it, and the next day on the Saturday. And, uh, and that kind of began it. I mean, it was just it was sort of my, and I looked at, I think I looked at that as being a sign from God that this was the direction he wanted me to go in. And that's that was, the 21-day reprieve that you were able to walk out of there, part of it? Oh, like, yeah. It was like, I thought that was a miracle. And I was like, oh, this must be the place that the Lord is leading me. And I, and I, I do actually believe that. Mm. It just means something different to me now. Tell our uh, audience you have some uh, learning disabilities you've had since you were a kid. Yeah, so in first grade, I, I was an honor roll kid, and then something happened to where I just, my ability to read and comprehend, and then I, I just really went down. Um, I was dyslexic, and I was placed in um, slow learning disability, disability classes. Mm. So being able to read and, and, and um, and comprehend what I'm reading was, is a real task, mm -hmm. and it, it's just something I, I never picked up on. No Shakespeare. <laughs> no, no Shakespeare. <laughs> Heard of him. <laughs> and so, therefore, no Bible. No Bible. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't read the Bible or anything like It's just the way I'm speaking right now is, is very mild. In Florida, we, especially street kids, we talk a lot different, much mm -hmm. more slang and, and trying to understand the these and the thous and theys and all of that, it just was way over my head. So mm -hmm. trying to comprehend, you know, scriptures just never was something I was able to do. And that remains the, the case today. To, to this day, yeah. So this is the important thing that I want to bring out right off the bat relative to the comparison between uh, uh, Taya here and Denver is that we, on the one spe end of the spectrum, we have a very learned man who can you know bring up histories and bring up quotes and knows the reads the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. And on the other hand, we have another uh, young man who comes from, from a very different background. Uh, we have some crime, we have some poverty, we have some uh, you know difficulty, and no reading going on here because of a learning disability, especially the Bible, because it's difficult for everybody to read, really. So what happens now? What's you start to enter into? Uh, a spiritual life and kind of take us into that where things start happening. Yeah. <clears throat> well, just to back up a tad bit, um, all that trouble obviously led me to the inevitable, which was going to prison at 18. Got out at 19 and then I met my wife um, about, I think when I was 22, we got married at 24, when I was 24. So she told me right off the bat, she wants a, uh, she wants a temple wedding. And I was like, how the hell am I going to pull this off? And so I began going with the missionaries, uh, you know, and everything looked great. We finally, we, we got married, and I thought from that point forward, my life was going to be good. I'd be this stalwart Mormon headed to the bishopric or something like that. And, and uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and that, that wasn't the case. Uh, I still had a lot of demons, and, and I went inactive for several years. We actually ended up moving here to Utah so that my wife could attend BYU. She got accepted there. And I thought, man, that's perfect. This, this is the place I'm going to come to, and I'm going to get active, and I'm going to clean up my act and everything. So I came to, we came to Utah. Nothing changed. I mean, we got like two temples right down the street from us in Provo. You know, I, I still didn't go. Just something, I don't know, it didn't click. Mm. Um, and I tried. I, I really, really tried to make it happen, and it just wasn't. And my wife is a, a stalwart Mormon. She would have, you know, she, her name is Molly. She was mm. the, your typical Molly Mormon. She did every calling they asked her to, and she was just constantly praying for me to, to come around to God, but she thought that would come through the church. And so um, I gave up. I gave up on my marriage. I gave up on church, and I said, you know what? You'll end up finding a guy who's going to take you to the celestial kingdom. Um, 
and I just began uh, focusing on business. Ice cream was something that uh, I started doing. I, I learned how to do that really well. Started a business with that. And then through that, I, I was introduced to some people who were part of the remnant movement, not necessarily part of Snuffer's movement, but they um, were definitely into that whole, they believed that, the, the, that Joseph Smith restored the truth, but that eventually um, everything fell out because of Brigham Young. Is and that what the, rem, the remnant movement, we didn't talk much with Denver about that, but is that how it's defined that Joseph restored it? Uh, Brigham messed it up, and you guys, these groups are remnants of Joseph's. Yeah, they're trying to preserve everything that Joseph Smith did. And uh, so I, you know, this was all over my head. And throughout the years, I've heard a lot of anti-stuff, and, and some of it shook me, like two weeks after I got married. I thought that the, the name that you got in the temple was like a sacred name, and that it was only me that had that name. Come to find out, everybody that day got the same name. And I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness. So it really... It, it shook me, man, and I, and I was really contemplating leaving the church, and I, but I, I knew that the Lord led me here. I just still had to figure out why. Mm. Um, and so I just kind of shelved it. You know, I, didn't, I hadn't known that term before recently, but I just put it on the shelf and just began go, going forward with it. So, um, yeah, and then he started teaching me stuff about Joseph Smith, and uh, my friend that I was uh, in the uh, partners with began teaching me stuff about uh, stuff that Joseph Smith taught, things out of the Book of Mormon. And prior to this, I didn't have a testimony of Joseph Smith or the Book of Mormon. I was mostly just taken in by the people of the church, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and the fellowship and the community. And so when he was teaching, teaching me these things, I was like, wow, things are really starting to make sense. And, and I, for the first time, I was actually gaining a testimony of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon, one that I, I never had before. And then he began teaching me about the Second Comforter. And I didn't know what that was. I'd actually, I don't even think he used the term at the time. He just started teaching me that Joseph Smith taught that in order to receive the highest level of the celestial kingdom, you had to receive Christ in his life. And that, for me, I almost got up and walked out on him. It was nuts. And I was just like, all right, this sounds insane. And I, and I thought he meant like Christ would come in his physical body, which was what I believed at the time, uh, and, and, and come in and, and visit you. And I just thought it was super nuts. And then he told me it, it's actually a more or less like a vision. I was like, all right. So I, I kept hearing more, stuck around. And so that created a spark in me to where I wanted to seek after Christ in a way that I never had done before. Um, because I'd been rocked by the anti-Mormon stuff and, and I'd, I'd even flirted with atheism. I, I, I went to a point where I thought I didn't know what was real and I actually threw everything out. And, and so... Um, yeah, he began, uh, sorry, shoot, I lost my train of thought. No, you're doing good. Yeah, so you, the second comforter thing sort of sparked a desire for you to pursue Christ in a way you've never done it before. Yeah, and also for the sake of my daughter, because I know where this road leads. If she gets to the age where she starts searching things out, she'll become an atheist, and I didn't want that. And so I, w I was already flirting with it myself, so I, I, I wanted to get to the bottom of it. I wanted to stop get over my fear, and I wanted to lay everything out and see what it was. And so in my mind, what I did was I, I just cleared everything off the table, meaning the Book of Mormon, um, even the Bible, and even my friend, and, and all my other friends telling me stuff about the remnant movement. And I just said, okay, Lord, from here on out, I'm going to focus on you, and I'm going to rely on you alone, because I don't know. If anybody lacks wisdom, it's me. I have no idea. Um, I'm dealing with all these men who know way more than I do, but uh, how do I know what they're telling me is true? So I just began relying on him, and I said, I'm going to start acting from here on out. I'm not going to just wait, and if I make mistakes along the way, then I have faith that you'll correct me. And I believe that was like the pinnacle of, of what set me up to get me to where I'm at now mm. and what helped me to be able to start hearing his voice. So a pure walk of faith. We are mm. not, we're talking about you just said, look, I'm trusting you. Mm -hmm. you show me, I'm going to go out and act and move. And if I mess up, you're in charge. You'll redirect me. And if, if it's, if it's not bad, whatever, but you're really walking by faith. Yeah. And it isn't by academic knowledge here. You're not, you're not studying to get all this doctrine and knowledge. You're just going directly to the source. Yeah. If anything, I was only reading church history or Mormon history at that time. I wasn't reading anything doctrinally. Okay. So what happens? 
Well, so I began, I began searching and um, just reading more uh, history, you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm, convert, I'm praying to the Lord much more. I mean, I'm like pleading with him, Lord, just help me figure this out. And then um, one day, actually, it was, yeah, it was a day during the day I was in my tiny apartment in Provo. And I, I wasn't even praying at the time. I was just, I was just reading, uh, researching something, and uh, it, it was weird. I, I was told to stop doing what I'm doing right now, to get down and pray. But before you do, go close all the blinds in your house and go close all the windows. And I was like, all right. So I'm just running around the house trying to get everything closed up. I get to the last window, close that up, and I, and I'm sprinting to the to the the living room where I can get down on my knees on the carpet and pray yet I was brought down to my knees right there in the kitchen on the tile and as soon as I hit it I don't know how to articulate this properly but all I can tell you is I I just had this this I don't this force come down upon me and um, it just was a surge of energy of fire and electricity that just coursed through me for almost 10 minutes straight and um, after that was done, uh, through that whole, I mean, I'm like, I'm crying and weeping and weeping. I'm like basically crying at the top of my lungs. I'm thinking that my, I'm pretty sure my neighbors heard me, but it was a, a f the most spiritually and physical experience that I've ever really had like that. And so I was told in that moment that I had received uh, uh, remission of my sins. For a guy like me, that's, sorry. For a guy like me, that's it's pretty heavy. I've, I've done a lot of things that, that uh, uh, send a lot and, and, and some pretty grievous sins, you know. And when I was told that, man, I just, I, you know, I just was floored. Mm. And in that moment, I, I felt a love like I never, I couldn't, I, I have never comprehended before. It, the love that I, I knew before then was very generic. I mean, I know my mother, she loved me unconditionally. But this was something different. This was on a, a, a higher plane that, man, I can't even, I still can't put into words. It's just a, I was experiencing just, I felt the highest form of love. And the old me at, at that moment died and a new me was born again. And the thing that stuck out for me was that I hadn't gotten perfect yet. I was still addicted to porn. I was still addicted to anger. I mean, you couldn't look at me different on the on the road driving or else I'd hunt you down I mean everything and I was just really like confused I was like hey I thought I had to get perfect before I mm. received anything like this you know I thought I had to work it work sure. up to it yeah and so this is just kind of undoing years of uh, this programming that I that I had placed in me so that was the beginning I mean once that happened I was like whoa I'm, I, I'm in now. I'm all in. I'm not going backwards. I don't know what's going on here, and I'm just going forward. Unfortunately, I thought that this was testifying to me that that the Book of Mormon was true and that Joseph Smith was true, and I was that I was on the right track. And um, even uh, one day, I was driving past, you know, uh, you know where BYU the was the MTC and, and, and the Provo Temple. Mm -hmm. I actually said to myself, Lord, I, I got you now. I don't need Joseph Smith or the Book of Mormon. If you want me to get rid of it, I'll throw it out. I was getting ready to just chuck it onto the, the Provo Temple lawn, <laughs> just frisbee it out the window. And uh, he said, no, hold on to it for a minute. And I was like, all right, okay. And, and, and for me, I thought at that moment, he was telling me that Joseph Smith was a true prophet and the Book of Mormon was true. And so I continued to move forward from there. How are we doing on time? You're doing good. Okay. Uh, the time's fine. Your wife knew you you were married to her prior to the kitchen experience with the Lord. Oh, yeah. And then now after. Uh, are, you, are you observably different man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I wasn't, I'm pretty sure she would have left me by now. I'm not perfect. Right. Don't, right I don't right. want to paint that picture. I still get pissed off at people in the traffic. Mm -hmm. Still got to make sure I'm not looking at the lady jogging down the street too long. Yeah. You know, I'm still... You're a man. The Lord's still working with me. Yeah. I'm, I'm a work in progress is how I like to cons uh, uh, call it. But yeah, the whoever I used to be, man, that dude died, hmm. you know. 
It's fascinating to me because I didn't know that former man. The only man I've known is you, and I, I find you uh, so humble and kind and so, so uh, open. It just amazes me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm glad I didn't know the former guy, but this guy is just, it's so hard to see you in that other light. And yet I know that other light exists because it's in all of us, right? Yeah. So what happens next? Do you go, how do you get involved uh, with a sort of part of the remnant movement that Denver Snuffer was part of and how does that all work out? Okay, so this group of people that I'll, I'll be talking about, I, won't, I don't, I don't want to betray their trust. These, yeah. I love these people very much. Um, but uh, one day he said, hey man, we, I actually get together with this group um, and we meet at five o'clock in the morning. I'm not a morning dude, so I was like, oh, that sounds nice. And then one day he calls me up and says, hey, you, we prayed to have you come in and, and uh, to have your name, to, for you to be part of us. They, they got the yes and say, hey, man, you're invited. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? And I was like, all right, I'm in. I told, like I said, I told the Lord, all right, from here on out, I'm just going to act. If it's wrong, uh, I have faith that you'll tell me uh, that it's wrong. And uh, five o'clock came around on Sunday morning. I said, all right, honey, I'm going to this meeting. I'm probably going to, I'm probably damning myself to hell, but I don't know. We'll find out. Show up there. And then that's where I start learning more of the, more of the principles about uh, the second comforter, the calling and election made sure. And even the, uh, the born again experience with what they call the, the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. Mm. Um, it's, 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 they call it the doctrine of Christ. Those are the principles that the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, second comforter and calling an election made sure. Mm. And so, you know, I go there, start seeing, hearing a bunch of crazy things. I'm still, still somewhat in the box and believing that, oh yeah, we need the temple. We need all of this. And, and uh, they were, they were teaching stuff that, yeah, Joseph Smith, what he taught early on the church, the church now has completely fallen away from. And so that really did op open my eyes. Mm. And it helped me to separate what's going on now between what's going on then. Mm. Only that I thought that, oh, okay, Joseph Smith really was true at that time. Mm. Or that's what I was thinking. So they began teaching me about the second comforter and, and, um, and all of that. And, and uh, so I began seeking for it. And I don't know, it, it, there's a lot that goes into it, but one day I was in, in prayer, late at night, um, I received the second comforter. I was uh, in prayer, and I was taken to Christ, visited with him, talked with him, and at the cross, yeah, it's, and all that stuff. So. And that's an important point, because you talked with him at the cross, that's where you were taken to. To the cross. Right versus uh, I think Denver's story or the people who follow Denver, it's you go to Gethsemane because that's the doctrine that the atonement began in Gethsemane and was finished at the cross. But yours differed from yeah. that experience. Yeah, the, they, the way they outlined it is that they were kind of taken on that whole, you know, the passion of the Christ, that whole journey where you yeah. Stations uh, of the cross and the yeah, garden and all that. The garden, him being tortured and... And, um, and I thought, okay, that's great. That's how my experience is going to be as well. And then when it happened, I was brought to the cross and it ended at the cross. I didn't get to see Gethsemane or anything like that. And a part of me thought maybe I didn't really receive the full experience because this is going against what I, uh, you know, I typically mm -hmm. believed. So, um, yeah, that was my, my first inkling into what I'm experiencing is different than my friends and, and possibly Denver. I don't know his full story, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a little different. And so, so that was the first difference. Let me ask you, what do you say? Uh, I have an answer to this for people who think I have a roadside experience that I tell. I didn't, uh, it, it was through a preacher on the radio, but what do you say to people who say, who don't believe it? Yeah. I just, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, these days, nobody believes me. So I'm kind of <laughs> like used to it. I'm like, yeah, all right. And, and, uh, you know what I say? I say the proof is in, in my life. Yeah. You know, it's just like the blind man, Taya. The, 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 the Jews got around and they said, you know, tell us about this guy, is he? And he says, I don't know what he is. Mm -hmm. All I know is that I was blind and now I see. Yeah. You know, and the proof is in the pudding. Your wife can say he was this way before and he's oh, yeah. really changed a lot. When a man changes, 
I don't care how it's coming about. When he includes God in it and he's changing, that to me is the proof of it. So yeah. I don't have to explain it. If you don't believe, that's okay, right? Yeah. Well, it, to, honestly, when, I, when it happened, I was amongst a group of people who were looking for that same experience. Hmm. And so for a moment there, I had some status. I was like, oh, not a celebrity, but people like respected me. They wanted me, they wanted to hear all about the experience. They wanted, you know, to find out how they can have the same one. It, it exalted me up. And so I'm like, I'm a kid that's never, I've never experienced that kind of thing. So it went, it went to my head. I'm not mm. going to lie. Mm. And the glory, it felt good. The, the having that little bit of status for that short time, it, mm. it went to my head. And then eventually the Lord. And what happened then? Well, it went to your head, you had some status and then had some status. And then, then the Lord started to bring, give me a reality check. Um, he, first off, he, he tried to tell, he told me, he's like, Hey, knock it off. Not in those words. Uh, this is the, how he's relating things to me through the spirit. Uh, you need to go ahead and, and stop what you're doing. Um, because there was people who actually wanted me to start a church to start a home church, to start groups. And I'm like, Lord, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And I'm, I was entertaining that. Every time I went back to him, I got a no, uh, a very stiff, strong no. And so, um, you know, these people, they, they, in the beginning, it was me teaching people. I would go spend the last good two and a half years going every night, spending hours upon hours, helping people to let go of their, their hold of the church, which was very difficult. And, um, teaching people about, you know, I, I had done some much, as much research into the early church as I could and, and learned, tried to relate as best as I could that what's going on now is not right. And just trying to get people to let go of the church and, and cling to Christ only. Mm. And I thought that's all the Lord would be having me to do was just, just being a missionary, you know, and that's, you. Is that your message? Is that your, where you stand even today? Is that it's Christ? It's, it's, that's it? Oh, yeah way more than even then, because before then I was teaching people that I was actually testifying that Joseph Smith was a true prophet and that the Book of Mormon was true. Mm. Um, there were some principles, I believe, that the Lord was allowing me to, to teach out of the Book of Mormon because these people don't know any different. Um, and it was very, it was only like, I had memorized like maybe three little snippets of a scripture mm -hmm. that I could tie into the message. Mm -hmm. And so it worked for a little while. Uh, but eventually um, I got to a point where the Lord would, was, I could tell the Lord was telling me that things are not right about Joseph Smith. And it was layer by layer. Like I think the baptism story, for instance, where um, my, my baptism into the church was the only baptism I'd had. And it was a farce, you know, it was, I just used it to get out of jail and, and to, to, to get free. Some of my cousins and friends at the time asked me why I didn't invite them to the baptism. It's like, well, I didn't plan on showing up. Hmm. It really was just a joke to me. And I'd always felt guilty about that. So I began praying to the Lord, all right, I want to get baptized again. When, when can I do it? And just he's got, got nothing, you know, for a long time. And uh, as you kind of talked about with Denver Snuffer, they do rebaptisms. I believe that was a heavy focus of their whole movement, mm -hmm. at least early on, was, was rebaptisms. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh man, I'd love to do that. Mm. You know, that's what I was looking forward to. And then finally, a friend of mine, uh, she prayed and said, Hey man, let's all go get baptized down in, I think it was the uh, American Fork Canyon mm. River. That's uh, one of those canyons. One of those canyons. I was like, Yeah, let's, go, let's all go do that. And, you know, my wife and, and my daughter and, and, and them, their family. So, but I went and prayed and asked, and I got a no. So I was really disappointed about that, and I kept praying over and over again, and just, I just kept getting a no. And I was very confused as to why the Lord wouldn't tell me that I needed to be baptized. It's like, hey man, this is something I really want to do. This is a righteous thing that I, I looked at at the time, and then I just kept getting a no. And then uh, my wife, she got a yes. She, she, she prayed to, get a, to be baptized, and, and she got a yes. My daughter, she got a no. She was 10 at the time, which I was like, all right, you know, uh, uh, we're past the point of forcing her to do anything. So um, we went through with it, and then it just kept on. Something just felt different to me. I was like, all right, why, why can't I get baptized? And then I remember even telling some people, the only baptism that I had prior to 
my experience, my second comforter experience was when I went to, when, when I was getting ready to shoot somebody the night prior and then got baptized the next day. And so that everybody knows, oh yeah, that didn't mean anything. Hmm. So they're confused though as to why yeah, the, the Lord allow, was allowing me to move forward with certain things. Did he ever tell you? Uh, why no? Right, well now, yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't save you didn't save me. The, the baptism that I received, the born-again experience, was what I needed. Baptism of the Spirit. Baptism of the Spirit. Yeah. That's what Jesus came to bring, of course. Yeah. Baptism of the Spirit. Yeah. Ba John the Baptist, the water, I, I do that, sure, but the one who's coming after me, man, I, I, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So you talk to uh, very naturally and openly about like you and I are talking, but with the Lord. Mm -hmm. So I like the Lord, and well, you're going to let me do this. And, and by the way, it's not me seeing the Lord ever on the, you know. Yeah. It's, I, I, hear, I know his voice now, mm. and I can, don't get me wrong, I've made a lot of mistakes in thinking that, oh, the Lord's talking to me, and I've gone forward, mm -hmm. and the Lord said, yeah, that wasn't me, that was you. Mm. And so. So how do you distinguish? Oh, boy. It's, for me, it's still difficult, to be honest. Like we, me and my wife, we did a YouTube channel where the Lord told me that I'd be doing this video. And I thought that I'd be doing a bunch of different videos on a bunch of different topics. And I got pissed off at some Christians and some Mormons going at me, so I kind of let, let loose on some of the videos. And I kind of got, got rebuked for it. Just had to take down those videos. We haven't posted another video in like five months. I don't even think we ever will. Mm. But um, that's kind of just, I don't know the process. It's just sort of me going through it and and uh, I'm getting better at making less and less mistakes, but I still do. It's just, uh, I don't know how to explain it, to be honest. So the question for our audience who may be watching tonight, who also watched the Snuffer interviews is, what do we say? What do we say to a, a young man who has had this experience? And what do we say to an older man, attorney, who's had his experience? And you both have come to different conclusions. Mm -hmm. You actually, if I understand it right, uh, you've come to more of the conclusions I uh, subscribe to, which is, you know, it's it's done, it's Jesus, you know, it's love, mm -hmm. and forget about all this playing church stuff in any way, shape, or form. Do I am I summarizing that right with you? I believe so. Are you on that path, or do you? Well, the, the three things that helped me to separate myself from Joseph Smith to look at him differently was priesthood, baptism, and Sabbath day, even sacrament. But those three primarily, priesthood was the huge one because Joseph Smith restored the priesthood. Right. Without him, uh, there, there would be none of this second comforter talk. It, the, the heavens would be closed. Mm. And so um, early on, what I did was, was uh, I began looking outside of my bubble because I didn't want to just be trapped in this box and, and say, all right, I've already made this mistake in, in listening to everybody inside my own bubble. I got to... If, if the Lord is talking to these people, he's talking to, these, uh, he's talking to everybody else the same way. Mm -hmm. So I began looking to YouTube and the Internet to see, is anyone else seeing mm. <laughs> the face of Jesus? I literally typed in, uh, seeing the face of Jesus. Wow. And just hundreds of testimonies popped up. Now, I'm not going to say that everybody who's claiming an experience has had an experience, but I was able to, to compare and contrast. And I knew from my own experiences that the, uh, many of these people were telling the truth. I mean, atheists, you got Muslims, Jews, and New Age people. They are all experiencing Christ and coming back to him in a way that, you know, they, they never would have. I could, and I could tell, I could see it. And so I, I had to ask myself, all right, if they're experiencing the same thing that we are, then what's the whole deal with the restoration? Mm. And then I, I was told, J Joseph Smith didn't restore anything. It was here the entire time. And that just blew my mind. Mm. And that just completely put things different for me. I, I, didn't, I didn't share this with, with my friends, but I was, the, the, the layers were being peeled back and I was seeing it one by one. Mm. That was, and so this was the priesthood. And the other thing was, anytime we go to bless, uh, sorry, we doing? No, you're good. I, did, I'm, I had to look at that. Okay, fine. No worries. Don't let me distract you. And uh, so the priesthood, th this was the other thing. And, if you've seen, I, I, I don't know how to, I forget which scriptures they are, but in DNC, uh, you can only see Christ through having the fullness of the priesthood. Mm, yeah. The highest level of the, of the priesthood, right? So 
we've seen Christ, we must have the fullness of the priesthood, is what I'm thinking. Mm. And so we be I begin performing blessings and casting outs. You know, I'm thinking it's all me. And there was a distinction. Every time I saw the priesthood work, the Lord was there, meaning I saw him there. Anytime it didn't work, he wasn't there. Mm. So I had to ask myself, all right, do I have anything or is it just my access to the Lord that allows me to do anything at all? Mm. And so that's again, the next lesson the Lord taught me was that I don't have priesthood. He has the priesthood. Mm. Um, when he's there, the priesthood is being used. When he's not there, it's not. And it was just a very basic lesson for me. When you told me that um, when we talked at Del Taco a few months ago, I, because I study the scripture, that's the, my gig is to do that. And I said, that's what Hebrews tells us. And you're like, I don't know what it, Hebrews tells us. I just know that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And you confirmed through many of the things we talked about, stuff that is written in scripture that uh, I found it really remarkable that without this academic approach to it, God, and, and, and I just said to you earlier, there are people who don't read. There are people who can't understand the Bible. They, even if they're not dyslexic, they don't get it. And yet they can follow God through his son, Jew, Muslim, all of them somehow are doing it. Somehow. And this is driving our evangelical friends nuts right now hearing this. They want to go nuts. You're seeing things. You are, you know, that you are totally mentally ill. You aren't seeing Jesus baloney. Um, We've got the Bible, but how it, we know that there are exceptions to everything with God, and He doesn't work in those boxes. And just knowing you, I, I, I just see that fruit in your life. Yeah. So you have the priesthood, and you had the Sabbath day. Sabbath. What was the? What was the? The Sabbath day was that was you know uh, a lot of my friends are very knowledgeable in the scriptures, and some of them practice. Uh, they they hold to the Sunday. Some of them hold to Saturday, and then some of them hold to. Uh, a lunar Sabbath. Do you know that? Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah. It's they. There's a certain phase of the moon. It can be like on a Wednesday, I guess, and they'll make that as their Sabbath. So I was like, okay, I got me another predicament to go to the Lord with. Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to do it on Saturday, Sunday, these lunar days? And then I think months and months went on with this, and I was just feeling guilty about that. I get the hungriest on Sunday, so I go to eat on Sundays. That's your day. That's my day to go eat, man. I, I don't. So I just been feeling guilty. I was like, all right, Lord, which one do you want me to do? And then the word rest came in. And it was, you enter into my rest. Not, and, and it has something to do with like, I guess Sabbath day is the day for rest or something like that. Mm -hmm. I forgot how it was, but you, you enter into my rest and it's a daily thing. Yeah. It's not a, a once a week thing. Mm -hmm. And so this was something I, I, that was another thing for me. Dead on to? Yeah, is it? It's a daily thing. I don't now. If somebody wants to refute, they want to battle me. I don't know how to back it up with scripture. I'm hoping to learn. I'm not. I don't want to be completely ignorant. Why? There's no need. It's a not, great question. You're not <laughs> ignorant. You're not. That's the thing about this, which I just find so fascinating, mm -hmm. is that you're not ignorant. You've just talked about several principles that you have to really study and ferret through in scripture to sort of get. Yeah. But you understand them by virtue of the Spirit in your life. And, and I think that's viable. And I, and I just don't know why we don't accept that more readily in people. I don't know. The, the only thing I could say f that was maybe different for me and everybody else that I know of was I was willing to put everybody and everything on the altar, including Joseph Smith in the Bible. I mean, in the, the Book of Mormon. And I, I wanted the honest truth. It's like, Lord, I'm going to follow you no matter what. There was even a time Polynesians, we, we have a, a group of islands called Melanesians. Those are our black islanders. So my grandmother and my wife's grandmother, we both have black island blood. Is, is it African? I don't know. People say no. But there came a point where I was reading some of uh, Brigham Young's early comments about if you've got black blood in you, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a slave. So I had read that for the first time and I was like, all right, Lord, if that's what I'm going to be, a slave, then so be it. I'm going to follow you no matter what. And so I think that was the thing. It was like, I'm, Lord, I, I want the truth. I, I honestly want the truth because I don't know and I don't have it. So it began leading me down this journey. And then eventually one night, um, uh, something that stuck out to me, w w the Mormon Meadows massacre, mm -hmm. I didn't know it happened on 9-11. Mm. 
So that always kind of bugged me, and it, it didn't sit well with me. That was something I just couldn't explain away. And then there was something else that I forgot, but one night I was just sit sitting down, actually trying to find uh, uh, topics for my next video that I was going to do, which I never got around to. Uh, and all of a sudden, the Lord's voice just came down upon me, saying that Joseph Smith is a false prophet and the Book of Mormon is false. I was like, whoa, that, that hit me. Because I, I knew there was issues, but I was still clinging somehow, some way. Mm. I didn't want to let go of it. And I was like, all right, Lord, but I'm not, I'm not telling anybody this. Yeah. And he said, yeah, you are. You're going to tell everybody. And, he, and uh, you got to forgive me. That's his, I'm using my lingo, but I hope people understand what's going on here. Um, and then I came out to all my friends and I said, hey, this is what the Lord told me. Um, that Joseph Smith is not a prophet. The Book of Mormon is not true. I don't know why yet. I don't know everything. But when he told me that, Mohammed popped into my head, saying basically that what Mohammed did being uh, visited by the angel Gabriel was a similar to Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. And and then from there, I think I went, I think I bawled my head off for about two days. And then after that, I went in hard on everything, mm -hmm. trying to find anything I could listen to. You, uh, um, who's that guy? Who's it? Bill? What's his name? Bill Real? Bill McKeever? No, Bill Real. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Free Mormon and those guys. Mm -hmm. Listening to all their stuff and then Naked Mormonism. Mm -hmm. You know, mostly the, the, the atheists, they seem to have a bunch of information. Bryce Blankenagel? Yes, that yeah. guy, that guy. Mm -hmm. So I started going in hard and, and all, the, the, all the stuff, and then it, it happened right away. But then I, I, I got to see, I understand Joseph Smith from a different perspective than I think most people do because of these, there's been a lot of spiritual experiences. What I believe was that Joseph Smith learned from an early age with his gold digging times how to conjure spirits. And those spirits, I've seen it happen in masses of people that I deal with. I've seen them, it just give them crazy, I don't even know what to call it, but it just, you could just see there's hmm. something else at play there. Hmm. And so, you think that influenced him? I, I think so. We got less than five minutes left, uh, Taya. So, uh, looking at the remnant movement now, and I do not want to speak badly of Denver or any of his positions. Uh, I don't think you do either, uh, but because he's not here to defend himself. But what have you discovered in your walk and your experience with the Lord directly that is different than what they are teaching? We've just done three hours with them. And now we've got you alone saying, this is what I've discovered. And your view is just as valuable and valid to me as his. So what have you discovered? What I discovered is that <clears throat> as well-meaning as, as uh, Denver is, I believe he was just trying to find a way to hold on to some, something out of Mormonism, mm -hmm. Joseph Smith and, 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 uh, and uh, the Book of Mormon. What I think is that Maybe he had the, the experience, I don't know, with mm -hmm. Christ. I, mm -hmm. yeah, but at some point, I definitely believe he allowed his own, his own what, what's in his heart to, to, to begin directing him. Mm, and, okay. and, and what they're trying to do is recreate a religion. That's yeah. what they're doing. And um, I, I, what I wish, because Denver has an influence over so many people, he, he, sure, he's egotistical and as flawed as any of us. But I also see in him uh, uh, compassion and love. Mm -hmm. I would appeal to that part of him and, and, and wish that at some point he'd be willing to go to the Lord for the full truth and, and let his people free. Mm -hmm. Just get out of the way and allow his people to go to Christ on their own to, mm -hmm. to, to receive the truth. Uh, you said the full truth. Tell our audience what that is in your estimation. The full truth. The full truth is that, yeah, forget religion. Uh, holy cow. Get rid of religion. Go to Christ. Get, it, get rid of anything that lay, lies in between you and Christ. And I'd even say if that's the Bible, I don't mean to get rid of the Bible, but I mean connect to Christ. Allow Him to redirect you back to the Scriptures to mm -hmm. see what it says through His, through his voice and His eyes. Mm -hmm. um, because until you do that, you can't know if you have the truth. I think going to Christ, truly coming out of the boat and clinging to nothing else but Him is how you find truth. And unless you're willing to do that, then there's some bias that is or, or something in sure. your mind that's going to 
lead you to whatever you want to find, and you'll sure. find it. I agree with you on that one, man. And, and that includes the worship of the Bible and making those letters in ink and paper uh, superior to that relationship through the spirit of faith and love that he gives you. Yeah. Uh, last thing for our audience, and uh, you might not be able to explain this, but how do they tap in to what you've tapped into? I mean, if you're, if you're, if someone asks you, I'm asking you, mm -hmm. how do, how does, how do you tap into that? And when I say tap in, I mean, how do you, how does the Lord work with you? Is it by giving it all, putting it all in the? No, all? no. That was the, that was the surprising thing was that I thought when I had had my experiences, He just lay everything out in a blueprint but he still allowed me to walk and stumble by faith. I had to, I had to learn. Um, it's, I don't know, it, there seems to be this idea that you're with the Lord, he's, we're sitting down like this, and he's going to point everything out. Mm -hmm. That wasn't my experience. He, he allowed me to grow and, and mature. I think maturity was the, the key word because I was nowhere near mature to understand and deal with the things he was trying to teach me. I had to go through a lot. Mm -hmm. I had to go through people cussing me out, getting up and walking out, wanting to kill me, or not well, wanted to whip me, you know. I had to go through that. And because um, I, I still, even now, I'm not fully mature. I, I'm st I still got a lot of growing up to do. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, shoot, where was I going with that? Where were you saying again? How You're do just saying, how do you, uh, so what would you say to someone who says, I, I kind of want to, uh, to experience this myself? What is the key? Is it humility? Is it willing to offer up your life no matter what? You'll get rid of all your idols to have him. Is it a is it a mindset, a heart set that you go to the Lord with? I believe so. And how do you how would you tell them? Tell me how do I do that, Sean? This is what I would recommend. This is what I did. I don't know if it'll work for you, but this is what I did. Well, I made a promise to the Lord. Call it a covenant, whatever you want to call it. In, in the beginning, it's like I want to live by Your will from here on out and nothing else, because I don't want to be lost like I am. From here on out, I want to live Your will. Now, in theory, and it sounds easy, but when you start trying to get rid of your own will, holy cow, it's, I don't think there's anything more difficult. We, yeah. we, we get in our own way over and over and over again. The Lord, I believe, wants to speak with each and every one of us, and then so that each and every one of us have an abundance of His advice coming in all the time, but it's us that gets in the way. Even now, I, I, I still get in, in, in the way of what the Lord tries to tell me. Sure. And I mess up, and then I... I I know now how to step back and reflect. All right, where did I go wrong? Go back. To, it's like re recalibrating. Mm -hmm. Is that sure. a good term? Just go to the Lord. Let go of yourself. What did, what did Paul say? He died to himself daily. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. I don't know what that means, mm -hmm. but I kind of just took that to mean like get rid of yourself, get rid of your own will. Mm -hmm. If you really are his sheep, then just be willing to listen to his voice. And that's really all I can. You know. the time. We're over one minute. I'm sorry, I got to ask one last thing. In your estimation, is his kingdom and ways of this world materially through money, through fame, <laughs> through uh, clothes or possessions, or is he a spiritual being that's dealing with the spirit and soul in man? Zero material. It's all spirit. It's, it's all I can tell you. Um, before all this, I thought J J Jesus Christ had a body of flesh and bones. I don't believe that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, everything either. has been spiritual, even when we were taking the sacrament, because sacrament is big in the remnant movement. Mm. Like uh, Denver, I think he said, there's some people who even take it every day. Mm -hmm. um, I had lost my job at the time, and I, we didn't have no food in the house. I had no bread, so I began going to the Lord without sacrament. He still accepted me as is, mm. and that was, I could just see the Lord bringing me away from religion, mm. away from rituals, mm. I do think is the, the main thing, because there's a lot of ritual stuff that goes on. Mm. And every, each and every time, he's just bringing me further and further and further away from it. And I'm just developing this whole different perspective on, on who he is and what he's doing. And it had nothing to do with material. My brother, this has been one of the most satisfying conversations I've had with a guest. Well, people are going to accuse me of being just your disciple now. <laughs> yeah, I, you got to this place well before me. Well, I, it, I you were working on it. I, I could have easily just found a Sean McCraney or whoever and just began relying on you, you how would that be any different than relying on Russell M. It Nelson? wouldn't. It wouldn't be any different. Yeah. And so... I don't, don't believe anybody who says that. You're your own man completely. Love you, brother. And I really man. appreciate your honesty 
and willingness to come on. I know you, you don't like the camera kind of gig or whatever. I think they can tell, right? <laughs> that is not my thing, but. It is your thing. You're good at it, and it was great, and you're very well-spoken, and I just really appreciate it. I praise God that he's working in your life like that, and we'll have to do this again and uh, follow up and keep talking. Anytime. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Listen, you want to tune in be on Monday night because uh, we have a pastor who has created this 40-minute video attacking the heck out of me, and, and we're going to take it line by line, and we're going to stand in defense of what we believe and represent and uh, tune in on Monday night uh, to watch that and Tuesday night. Call in and we'll, uh, we'll talk about what that's all about. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.